Welcome back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Nick Antonucci, joined today by Jarrett McKenzie, Shauna Theriault, and Andrew Hedden. <laughs> Guys, it's, uh, I think oh, it's time no. for my favorite part of the show, getting to listen to some, uh, answer some listener questions. I keep saying that backwards. It's like the words get jumped. Well, actually, listener, do, do answer we, listener questions. A lot of times we've that. had some listener questions, or uh, See, now to you listen know. to. <laughs> I know. Now you got me oh, all on the phone. Time. Yeah. You know what? Let's start this segment. At, no. <laughs> yeah. we, we do have listener. You just uh, want to see Nick dance again. Listeners that's call all. in. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We, uh, we do have a call-in line, actually, right? Can't you? Can't yeah, you absolutely. Get a, if you'd like to call in and have your question uh, answered on the air, got it right that time, you can reach us at 770-429-9166 or call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. Um, or you can email us if that's easier for you. That's your preferred uh, means of communication. It's drgene at hensler.com. And, you know, we, coming off this tax discussion, uh, it emphasizes – you may have a very complex tax situation, and, and should you need help with that, you know, we're here for you to call. As I mentioned, the, our uh, local number is 770-429-9166. Call us up. We'll be happy to meet with you and uh, help you figure out your, your situation for the coming year. Um, That's right. Or you could be like our good friend uh, Ed Kelly here who sends us questions that we answer for you on the radio. Absolutely, and we're always happy to to take those. I guess uh, on that note, Jared, Ed Kelly uh, writes, I read both of Mr. Laco's columns about the new tax treatment for pass-through entities. Wow, seems that the CPAs will have their homework cut out for them. My question is, who are these changes aimed at? I can see the logic and reason for the corporate tax cuts, getting foreign profits back home and other things, but what kind of entities are these pass-through cuts intended for? With the list of types of businesses that are excluded, I can't think of many other types of businesses that are left that will benefit. Is the gist of it mainly the entities that fall in those categories of, quote, lower income that are pointed out in his column, giving them a tax break? Well, well, the pass-through entity, <laughs> the pass-through entities, you know, LLCs, partnership, S-corps, sole proprietorships, those are the pass-through entities is talking about. So with a pass-through entity, y- you obviously have to pay yourself a certain salary. There's IRS code for sure. that. But anything beyond that is a distribution. So that was taxed all the way up to 39.6% ordinary income. So these tax breaks they obviously gave for the C-Corps, you know, went from 35 to 21 max. They also pushed for the small business owners and pass entities. They put forth uh, a deduction for them to help reduce the tax exposure, not to go to sure. the highest tax bracket. So there are limitations to that. It is very complex. So that's that's what they're targeting are the small businesses. A lot of small businesses are passed through entities. So there's tax benefits to do that. And so, you know, in previous years there were. So it may look different now that – C-Corps have changed, but, you know, it's meant for the business owners. Sure, and that's a huge part of the market there. I mean, this is a 2012 statistic, but let's be real, it hasn't declined uh, since 2012. But small businesses make up 99.7% of U.S. employer firms. Mm -hmm. That's an SBA statistic right there. Right. So you have to push tax cuts to them, too, to help them grow and, and, you know, hire, et cetera. Yeah, there's some benefit across the board, I think. The bill seems to have certainly been aimed at... Uh, all types of businesses, mainly corporations. Yeah, th- you know, with the theory being that by helping them, that helps the individual. But you know, when you you see these these provisions about the standard deduction increasing, I mean, to your point, Ed, I, th- I think that that certainly is helping give those lower income tax co- tax <clears throat> excuse me lower income taxpayers a tax break. Uh, there's there's certain things like that that are, are playing in on both sides. Uh, you know, to give them 
to give people a break. But uh, more than anything else, I think that by aiming this bill and the provisions of it at corporations and giving them, uh, you know, additional retained earnings to do things with, for instance, uh, today's Thursday, January 11th, when we're, we're recording the show, and Delta uh, Airlines actually announced that they're raising their 2018 earnings guidance 20% due specifically to the new tax law. Now, all of that may not be attributable to the tax savings that because now the the maximum corporate tax rate has been lowered, uh, what's happening is with those additional tax savings, they're able to reinvest those earnings into new projects and other things that are going to help their business flourish. And that, of course, then hopefully, anyways, is passed on to the consumer, and we're all better off. Even if, like I was saying, you know, in the previous segment, for instance, myself, if, if I... Uh, I'm going to be taxed more because of these changes in the dynamics of my family. If if maybe I'm a uh, an investor in Delta and a shareholder, and they do better because now they've got these new tax breaks, well then, you know maybe I can help offset some of my tax liability, my increased tax liability. Yeah. By by having companies in my portfolio that perform better. And so, you know, again, it's kind of a give and take sort of thing. If I was a lower income taxpayer, maybe I don't have those investments, but guess what? I got a double or twice my standard deduction now. So I'm going to save some there. And like I say, it's depends on how you're looking at it and for what angle you're looking at it. Sure. And you you mentioned something, Jared, about uh, reinvesting back in the company. And uh, part of this bill is, is aimed at encouraging companies to spend on CapEx, you know, as we've seen since uh, the bottom of the market, companies have been you know, buying back their stock, but they're really not you know, expanding, you know, increasing capacity, things of that nature, which is what we really want to see. Right. Um, I'm a bit skeptical as to whether or not we're actually going to see that because the, the way I see it is com- companies, it's almost as if they have the capacity that they need. Yeah. There's not an, a huge amount of, you know, un- I guess – they haven't built out too much capacity right mm-hmm. now. Um, and, and I'd be surprised if all of a sudden you see companies, sure, they're going to move cash back over at a lower rate. That's right. great. But in terms of spending, I don't feel like companies have been holding out for this. Would, were, were they were they like, oh, we, we would go and build this new plant, but we'll wait two years till yeah. Trump gets elected and then we'll do it. No. I, and, and access to capital has been available and mm-hmm. cheap. I just don't know that. It's really going to spur CapEx that much. Prior to the financial crisis, I think that 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 may be the case, or that wouldn't be the case. But now I think that the crisis changed the mentalities of the executives, specifically Mm -hmm. these companies. Mm -hmm. Now they want to hoard the cash. Oh, we've got these additional savings. Let's retain those earnings, figure out other ways to help shareholders. Maybe they increase a dividend. But you're right. When they put it into new projects like that, now it's deployed and it's committed to something new. and, And that... I think is just it makes people more nervous now after seeing what we saw I agree. during that time. All right, guys. Well, I think that answers this question pretty well. And, I mean, being January, it's not either. We get a lot of tax questions, and this one really ties in, too. This is Diane from Atlanta. She writes, I have a few positions that my advisor does not recommend. I primarily hold on to them for tax reasons. Now that it's a new year, should I sell these positions knowing I have a year ahead to offset those gains? It seems like a good time to get my portfolio in line with my advisor uh, advisor's recommendation so I can be in line with their target performance. Um, and and I, I agree with this. Uh, I think we're going to have differing opinions on this because our departments butt heads on them throughout the year. <laughs> um, me working in research and, and strictly thinking that way from an in- investment perspective, not sure. so much the tax situation. Mm-hmm. I'm the type of person who's saying, listen, we, we, we recommended this change for a reason. Yeah. Right. Um, we, we feel the replacement security is going to perform better. Mm-hmm. Taxes 
taxes or not. Don't want right. the tax tail wag Ragged the dog. investment dog. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the way I see things. Um, but, but you're right. If you were holding off for tax purposes, it is a new tax year. Get your portfolio in line. And that's, yeah. that's not just speaking to this one scenario. In general, you know, we had, we came off a year of 40% gain in technology. Your technology uh, portion of your portfolio mm-hmm. is going to be far overweight. Trim that back. You know, you're going to rebalance and buy into sectors that look more attractive, the che- right. cheaper valuations that probably have more room to run uh, in, in the upcoming year. Well, one of the things I would say to Diane, which is something I say to all our clients, is look, you wouldn't have a tax problem if you didn't have a gain, if you weren't exactly. making money. So, look, if you if you want to hang on to it until you, you don't have, have a, a gain anymore, well, just, just then what's the down. point? Yeah. Well, I, look, it's it's so easy, and I think people understand this, seemingly understand this much better when you kind of put it in an example in that, you know, look, if you've got a $10,000 gain in the security, right, and, and maybe let's say that's that's really big for you, so you've held on to it, and let's just say that was Diane's position in this security that she's she's referencing. Well, if, if the position, let's say the market, and we're due – Beyond due, yes. far overdue. Oh, 20%, right? So yeah. let's say that comes. You lose 20%. Now your position is worth $8,000. You got still an 8000 or your gain is still $8,000, $8, presumably. So now you got an $8,000 gain, and you just lost what you would have paid in tax. And you still have, you know, that's the worst place to be. Yeah. So it is it is about managing the tax. And to her point, yeah, if you got a whole year to offset the gains, then that's probably the best time to do it, especially sure. this year with the market being as high as it is. Well, let's, well then, let's not try to sell gains and then hope for a correction so we can take right. losses. Yeah, you because, know, sure. other repercussions there. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you never know what's going what's to come. Right. Um, something else um, to consider is if, if you're going to rebalance your portfolio and, and you're going to move into uh, different asset classes, now may be a good time to reevaluate your st- if you're managing your portfolio on your own evaluate other asset classes that you're not typically invested in. You know, things change year to year. It's it's not smart to maintain the same investment style. Um, sure. As you guys know, we make changes uh, throughout the year to try and, you know, position the portfolio for what we expect in the upcoming years. And what better time of year to do that than, than you know, right. at, the, at the beginning. At the beginning the and year. with a little bit of tax cuts as well. And if you're rebalancing to try to get things back in line and, and you're going to incur taxable gains as a result – well, that's fine. You know, set aside whatever tax that's application what you there do. might that's be. That's the best. Is if you're selling position at a gain, reserve whatever you estimate yep. you're going to owe in taxes for that particular position. That way, when tax time comes, that money's sitting in the bank. Maybe you put it in a short-term CD mm-hmm. that matches when your tax bill is going to be due. But I agree with yeah. that 100%. And I think that's a smart way to manage your tax situation. Yeah, and and we do that all the time. That's what we advise clients. Look, if we do it now, sure, we don't necessarily want to hope for declines and let there be an offset, but we're going to set that aside. Try to get what little interest that we can in the meantime, and you know, when when uh, the time comes to pay the tax, it'll be there available for you, and you don't have to worry about raising it. And uh, we're just continuing on answering some of our listener questions. Um, and we're back to taxes. I know you guys are probably tired of talking about taxes right now, but <laughs> it is the hot topic. Yeah. It it's is. The big and it change. will be for some time. It, it I certainly will be. Um, so Frank from Marietta asks, I really wanted to get your opinion on the treatment for state and local tax and the tax reform bill. I was talking to my father-in-law, and he was arguing that we're losing a huge deduction. I believe we're making up for it in a larger personal exemption, and there's still a deduction up to $10,000. And as we were talking off air, that $10,000 is for state, local, and your property Real taxes. Real estate taxes, yes. Yeah. So it's combined. So it, it's it's a significant change. You know, you, you could, in years past, deduct everything that you paid into the state. So anything we pay into Georgia, you can deduct. 
Um, and then your real estate taxes, so the combined max is 10000 So, And you talk about high tax rate states. New York, yeah. yes. California, well, New those, Jersey. Those will feel the pain the most. You know, right. this this was something that we talked about on air last week. Just with some of there being, we've heard some instances of there being a higher demand of, for real estate in certain areas of Florida because now it's almost as if there's been an incentive for people to move away from these higher tax states so that you know they can avoid this because you know what, uh, Frank, your dad's right. You. Depending on where you live, and, and again, this is all circumstantial to, to your tax situation, but you could be poised for uh, losing a pretty big deduction. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. like you said, if, you, oh, if you're yeah. deducting a lot and now all of a sudden that's capped at 10000 well, that's going to hit you pretty hard. And while you certainly may make up for it in the larger personal exemption, uh, that may or may not be the case. You know, it's very specific and, and all the reason to, to have a tax advisor if you don't have one because um, anytime there's changes like this, it's going to make things more complex and you, you probably need some guidance. So uh, you guys keep sending in these questions. They're good ones and we can certainly help you with them. But if you want some specific guidance uh, as far as your situation is concerned, then uh, come and see us and, and we'll be glad to do what we can. Sure, and, and related to that, you saw a lot of people come forward and try and prepay their 2018 property yeah, taxes and be able that to was, this year. That was smart. And I kept, I kept hearing stories that, a lot of people didn't think that through and would go for it and pay, and you could only do that if your home had been appraised in the, in the previous year. I guess they don't appraise homes all, every single year. You pay on an estimated tax bill, right? Um, and if that's what you're paying on, I don't know that you could deduct that. So um, surely you could, you know, search that online and see see kind of what the. Uh, yeah, we did get a lot of questions of people yeah. asking to do that, but yeah, you, you, they they will not allow you to assess the value of your your home in a future year. Right, was essentially what it boiled down to. So, sure, that's uh, a good thought though. People people try they they had their their head yeah. on Be on the right path there. Or yeah. prepaying state taxes too. You know, it depends if you're in higher if you're in AMT, it, it didn't even help you to sure. prepay state taxes, and and the, and the law specific prohibits paying future taxes. So you can pay up to your 17 tax liability and deduct it. And prepay it if you're not an AMT, but if if it was you're paying beyond 18, it specifically denies that. Yeah, well, does not allow you to do it. To know. Well, that, well, I think we'll leave the uh, tax conversation at that for the day. Finally, are you guys tired <laughs> of it? I am. Oh, yeah. All right, Deborah from Powder Springs asked, my late husband had a plan with Walgreens profit sharing retirement plan. It states the plan number and the value of the account. How do I gain access to his profit-sharing plan? I have his personal information, including his death certificate. So no matter who the plan's through, you should be able to do a simple online search and, and be able to figure out who the, what the participant services right. hotline is, and somebody will be able to assist you from there. It's going to probably vary uh, company to company. Sure. But it's it's, a, it's an easy yeah. It, is, it really is make. not a, a complex uh, situation to handle. I mean, I, the thing is, and it sounds like uh, Deborah probably does have one, but what you'd want to look at is the uh, account statement. It's probably going to have a, a customer service line sure. on there. Uh, and, and if you have a death certificate and letters of testamentary in hand, uh, those are two of the primary things they're going to want to have so that they know whether or not you have the authority to request that kind of uh, or make that request on his behalf. And so if you do, uh, then essentially you're just setting up a new account at the custodian of your preference and uh, initiating a transfer with the current custodian of the profit-sharing plan. Uh, and again, you know, so long as they're able to verify that you have the authority to act on his account, uh, the logistics of the of, of moving the money are, are pretty simple. It's just a matter of some, uh, we'll call it red tape with the current custodian and right. validating that, okay, there was a death, 
this is the person who has that authority to act on, on his behalf, you know, so on and so forth. And the retirement plan typically has a beneficiary That's designation. Right. So exactly. hopefully, hopefully you're named as the beneficiary being the spouse. Otherwise you're in for a surprise. Yeah. That and yeah, that might not be. Well, and you know what? That process. that that true. That's a good point, and because that's what simplifies this situation a lot is that with it passing by beneficiary, you know, it's avoiding probate. You're right. not waiting on the courts, and that's why I say, you know, in this situation, it's pretty simple uh, in terms of the of the logistics and getting that into the place of your choosing. And the question is, where is that going to be? Uh, presumably, it would be in, in her IRA, which as a spouse, uh, she would have the ability to. Uh, yeah, just be careful, careful, Deborah. If you take a distribution from that, it'll be fully taxable to you. So it's, to Jared's point, rolling it to an IRA or transferring it to an IRA will be better for you and then taking it as you need it. Yeah, make sure it's a direct transfer, not an indirect uh, transfer in which you actually take possession of the money. You've got 60 days to put it back into a tax-deferred account, but... Uh, at the end of the day, I think, you know, like Sean was saying, it's it's much better to just keep it direct, and, and that way you don't have to worry about uh, any kind of tax implications or uh, anything surrounding that. Yep. Good answer, so. guys. Thank you. Um, I'm going to try and keep this this uh, question as short as possible, but it's something that we all are very familiar with. Um, Winston from Flowery Branch. Scanna has been in a steady decline for many months now. I sold it in late 2017. Earlier this week came the announcement that it would combine with Dominion Energy. With Scanna's troubles, does this bring the quality of Dominion down? He sold it in late 2017? Go ahead, say Interesting. it. When Interesting. When did we sell it? That's no, l- later, uh, 2017. <laughs> uh, so by later, you mean too late? Well, I don't know. So Yes, sorry, we couldn't foresee the fact that it was going to be bought out by another company that we recommend. You so must have dropped the crystal ball and cracked depending it, too, on how Yeah, exactly. Depending on how late in 2017 you sold. You got jokes. Uh, yeah. No, got look, jokes. you're right, though. In all honesty, and I've been giving Troy a lot of, a lot of uh, heat about this, but, I mean, look, you cannot – foresee those kinds of things you know it's funny how it happened and it just goes to show you you can't time the market as as much as you might try to it's just not possible no you can't and basically what happened here is scanna shares lost about 50 percent of their value um, after pulling the plug on a troubled nuclear plant in south carolina which it had charged its customers more than a billion dollars to build so no surprise here but state officials were seeking harsh penalties against scanna which honestly was going to threaten the health of the, the overall business. Even mm-hmm. the CEO came out and said, you know, if worst case scenario penalty that, that you've mentioned, it would cripple our business. Right. So a Dominion basically came out and announced it's going to pay $7.43 billion in an all-stock deal for uh, Southern Carolina Utility, basically Southern Company. Um, it's going to position them solidly as the third largest utility company. So you bring up a, a great question, you know, oh, are they buying junk? And the mm-hmm. answer is no. Basically, built into the deal is all right. that they're going to have to pay out to customers. And what the, what uh, Dominion has actually come out and, and done, they're going to refund customers $1.3 billion. So that's about $1,000 per customer in cash, which they'll pay within 90 days. Then they're going to get a 5% rate reduction compared to the 3.5% proposed by Scana. Mm-hmm. And they will ensure that they have government approval, that this will satisfy any you know uh, issues the government had with with Scana prior. So they've built all this into the price they're willing to pay. And in my opinion, they're going to get a great deal on some really core assets yeah. that are complementary to their portfolio. They already have a pipeline, 1,500 miles of pipeline running into South Carolina mm-hmm. uh, that will be complementary towards uh, what they're acquiring from Scana. Uh, so all in all, we're favorable on it. We recommend shares of Dominion. So if you own that stock and you're concerned about you know, the deal 
that, that they've agreed upon with Scana, in my opinion, you shouldn't be. And the yeah. stock yields 4%. Dominion right. yields 4% right now. Like you said, they, they didn't buy junk. I think they got it at a pretty nice price. They did. They, uh, took, they took great advantage of an unfortunate situation. For exactly. Scana. And and given, you know, Dominion's business as it was before that acquisition. Yeah. yeah like, like you said, that that's why we're fond of Dominion Energy. And, and you know what? I certainly don't think it's brought the quality of Dominion down. If anything, it's enhanced it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You're going. You had North Carolina, Virginia exposure before. You get South Carolina, some Georgia now. So you're just expanding your geographic footprint, really. So. Yeah, that's right. Well, guys. Is you going to set another record? It's been another great show. Yeah. Any more records? I, I think we will. I think the momentum's strong. I don't see anything underlying to cause concern. It's not a big economic data uh, week next week. We have earnings season really kicking off which could drive momentum of the market. But I don't see anything really that concerns me a whole heck of a lot that would say next week's going to be a down week. I t- tend to take Troy's uh, approach, and then the market's up more than it's down. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the market's up next week. What do you guys think? Given the the projection board and research department, i got to say it's going to be up too. It looks like there's right. a lot of optimism uh, down there. Well, I'm going to say Andrew. Yeah. Better be up. I'm wrong. All right. <laughs> been a great show. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. Have a great weekend. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.